In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Father, you may have known, wrote a letter to Christians in the Middle East this uh, Christmas season, and last night made a phone call to Christian refugees in Kurdistan. He also sent a video message to, to Catholics in Korea. He had been there earlier this year. He met uh, earlier this week with uh, his employees in the Vatican and shared with them a personal message. And last night, um, in his midnight mass, spoke to the Romans. And he said, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. We too, in this blessed night, have come to the house of God. We have passed through the darkness which envelops the earth, guided by the flame of faith which illuminates our steps, and enlivened by the hope of finding the great light. By opening our hearts, we also can contemplate the miracle of that child sun who, arising from on high, illuminates the horizon. Try to recall, if you can, your longest night. Perhaps it was a night when you couldn't fall asleep, or you wake up and you couldn't fall back to sleep. The second hand seemed to be stuck, and the night seemed like it would go forever. Some years ago, with six other priests who were getting ready to hike the Inca Trail, I made the mistake of having mate de coca, which is a tea made from coca leaves, at the end of the day, thinking it was good for acclimatization. Apparently, it is great for acclimatization, but it has so much caffeine, I found out later, you're never supposed to drink it at the end of the day. My head was spinning one direction, my gut was spinning the other direction all night. I, it was one of those nights where you thought not only you were going to die, but it was a happy thought thinking that you might die. For many of us, though, the longest night is something uh, much more interior. It's a relationship that has never healed. Or it's a depression that, that you simply cannot shake. The nighttime celebration of Christmas Eve and Midnight Mass and Mass at Dawn make the birth of Christ an occasion to consider what God has done during the night. And how the world would have been left in darkness if he had never come. 
Imagine our night never ending. Rather than imagining that we would be like our, our carefree neighbors who are so happy that Christmas songs will not be on the radio any longer, who think that today is the last day of Christmas, we wouldn't be carefree and joyful if Christ had not come into the world. There would be no remedy for our sadness. But what happened that night? For those who were experiencing it, knowing the prophets, knowing what the angels had told them, they knew that God's promises were being fulfilled. They knew that a light shone in the sky and that songs from heaven were coming from above. They knew that something, something sacred was taking place. But for we who believe, who know now, because it's been revealed to us, who now return to that night, we know that on that night, all of us could say for the first time, I can see God. This night is over. It's true. No one has seen God. The only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed Him. And seeing the face of Christ, we see God. Not just an image of Him. Not in the way that you, you see your, your parents' face and your child's uh, newborn visage. Jesus actually is God. It's fitting then. How many pictures, paintings, have you seen of the first images of the Holy Family? And there's Mary. And there's Joseph. And there's the baby. And no one's holding him. Don't you think someone would have been holding him? More than likely. But it struck me on Christmas Eve as we had adoration here in the morning. How often we see our Lord in the tabernacle flanked by angels holding candles. Or the great stand for the monstrance where angels are bowed in adoration. But in approaching the Christ child in adoration and love and amazement, who would be there to his right and his left? Mary and Joseph. Seeing our Lord flanked by 
his mother and his foster father, who with, with hands clasped in prayer, is just as perfectly appropriate as a monstrance where instead of an angel to the left and right of our Lord in the Blessed Eucharist would be an image of Joseph and Mary adoring the Son of God. The night is over. We have seen God. Now is the beginning of hope fulfilled. Now is the dawning of heaven. Now is the beginning of eternal life. In some respects, it hasn't happened yet. That'll happen when his earthly purpose is fulfilled on the cross and rising from the grave and ascending into heaven. But we know that this is why he's come, and so we already celebrate our salvation dawning. As the Holy Father alluded to the light on the horizon. In the same way that we celebrate Christmas, hours early, because we know on Christmas Eve what's going to happen. And almost every detail about our Lord's birth points to the cross and everything he will accomplish with it. At Epiphany, the kings will come with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gift for a king, a priest, and one who is already dead. He's born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And to protect him from the cold night is laid down in a manger, in a trough where animals eat their food. Our Lord has not only come to die for our sins, he's come to become bread for us, to be our food for eternal life. And so we rejoice, not in a reenactment of that of that holy, silent night, but in acknowledging that we understand the purpose for which he came and gather around an altar. In St. Paul's letter to the Romans, he spoke to them, you know what hour it is. How it is full time now to you for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.